Today's episode is brought to you by Create Engage, the specialist digital marketing agency for the disruptive management consultancy. Now, for long-time listeners, you will probably already know who we are. You may have even heard one of our ads on a previous episode of this podcast. But for those of you who don't, here is a short introduction. At Create Engage, we help you create an effective marketing strategy for your consultancy, a strategy that will resonate with your target clients. And then we support you by delivering the campaigns you need to turn that strategy into a reality, helping you to build your brand, raise your profile with your prospective clients, and ultimately generate return on investment from your marketing activity. Now, I could tell you about many of the great clients that we work with and the results we've delivered for them. But instead, I'm going to do something much more powerful and something that I would recommend you do for your own marketing. I'm going to let our clients do the talking for us. If you are currently thinking about marketing for your consultancy, you're going to want to listen to this. Create Engage started the process for us. They managed it end to end. They came up with some really creative ideas and we were really happy with the work that they did, which meant that we could just focus on running the business. Not only did we start conversations with clients that we hadn't spoken to before, but also there was tangible return on investment by some work that we were given. They've helped right from the initial shaping of the idea through to helping us work out what our end goal was. They've supported us with the visual identity and our positioning of the brand. We've had an immediate expansion of our network and, and have initiated a raft of new conversations with owners, CEOs in, in target client organisations and has led to us winning new projects already. One of the greatest compliments, I guess, is that one of our competitors even said that uh, they really like what we're doing with marketing. They wish they could be doing something as good. So from our perspective, we couldn't recommend Create Engage any more than this. I would certainly recommend Create Engage if you're a consulting firm. They really understand consultancies and the sort of challenges we face. And, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to get much better marketing anywhere else. So I wouldn't hesitate to recommend Create Engage. They did a really good job for us. So if you're looking for an agency that can help you achieve the results that our clients just described, then head to our website createengage.co.uk where you can find out more about how we support consulting firms like you. You can download our latest ebook and you can get in touch to talk about how we can help you take your consultancy to the next level through digital marketing. Hi and welcome back to Climbing Consulting for 2022. I hope you had a lovely Christmas break, a fantastic new year and I'm excited for what the next year has in store for both yourself and your consultancy. To kick the year off in the right way, I wanted to start the podcast with a series of talks that I think are really going to help you thrive in today's hybrid world. This was taken, today's episode and the next two, from a series that I ran with Rob Garner at Garwood Solutions and Derry Hughes at Explore Consulting looking at the three core issues that our new hybrid way of working has created for firms like yours, looking at the operational challenges, the recruitment and talent challenges, and the marketing challenges, all things that we're hearing from firms like yourselves are really causing them trouble when it comes to growing. And obviously, that's what you're looking to do with your consulting firm, grow effectively into 2022 throughout this year and beyond. In today's episode, the first in this three-part series, 
Rob leads a fascinating conversation looking at how your firm's operations need to evolve to respond to the hybrid world. Rob covers some really important themes, including how the pandemic has shifted the operational paradigm and what you need to do to respond, the fundamentals of consulting growth and how the hybrid world has shifted that, and what you need to do to build the foundations as we enter 2022 to ensure sustained growth over this year and beyond. With decades of experience building and advising consultancies like yours, the insights that Rob shares in this one are going to be hugely valuable to you. And I'd highly recommend listening to the whole episode so that you can also hear the great questions that we had after Rob's talk on the live webinar. So with all of the intro said, please enjoy today's episode, the first of our three-part series on how to thrive in a hybrid world from myself, Rob Garner, and Derry Hughes. I hope you enjoy it. Well, good afternoon and welcome, and very warm welcome to uh, Garwood Solutions webinar, Setting Your Consulting Up, Success in the Hybrid World, Hybrid Operations, actually a webinar in conjunction with Create, Engage and Explore Consulting. Actually, after a successful series of webinars in 2020, Nick, myself and Derry decided that we would reprise our, our team effort and come back together and actually revisit 18 months on some of the material that we talked about back then in 2020 in relation to being right in the teeth at that point of the first lockdown and what was that was doing in the consulting sector. Today's webinar is the first of three and we'll focus, as I've already said, on hybrid operations for success. But actually, we'll be followed up by a webinar uh, on Monday the 18th, which Derry will lead around talent and hybrid talent. And on Thursday the 21st, which Nick will lead around hybrid marketing. Today's webinar is going to kind of set the scene a little bit for all three and then delve into the operations aspects of it. We are really keen for this to be a discursive session. Please do use the Q&A facility in Zoom to ask your questions. Yeah, and we'll have two points in the kind of course of the next hour where we'll just pause and take those questions at the appropriate time. Let me start, though, by introducing my co-presenters today. So as I've already said, I'm joined today by Nick Sinnott, founder of Create Engage, and Derry Hughes, founder of Explore Consulting and Honeycomb PS. Actually, I'm going to ask Nick and Derry in turn to just introduce themselves to you. So Nick, could I ask you to do that first? Sure, Rob. Thanks a lot. And thank you to everyone who's made the time for today's session. Um, this series that we ran as Rob's in 2020, we know people got a ton from, and we really hope that you're going to get just as much from the series over this two weeks to help you as we go into Q4 of 2021 and, and on to 2022. So a little bit about me, as Rob said, I run Create Engage. We are a digital marketing agency that specializes in the management consulting industry. We focus on helping boutique consulting firms to really use effective digital marketing. And, and we'll talk over this series about what that is to generate return on investment. As well as that, I run a podcast called Climbing Consulting, where I've interviewed over 80 leaders from the consulting industry, ranging from actually Rob and people like yourself, all the way through to big four partners. Recently had Kevin Ellis, managing partner of PwC on the show, to really explore and share their insights. Up to 65,000 downloads, which is quite amazing, and coming up to episode 91, which is going live this week. 
looking forward to answering any of your questions. And like Rob said, keen to make this discursive. So any questions, and particularly on my area of focus around marketing, happy to help and look forward to answering them. Thanks, Nick. That's fab. Jerry, could we just do the same? Sure. Thanks, Rob. And uh, great to see everybody here for our reprise of this webinar series. Great to be working with Rob and Nick again. Uh, so I'm Derry Hughes, as Rob said, founder of both Explore Consulting and Honeycomb PS. So Explore is the only dedicated recruitment platform for the consulting industry. We're really trying to crack open the industry and make consulting careers accessible for as many people as possible and drive diversity into the industry as well. Through Honeycomb PS, I've worked for the last five years or so with a full range of boutique consulting firms on operational development, training programs, skill development, and also outsourced operations. Prior to that, I was uh, started my consulting career at Bain & Company as a strategy consultant, worked independently for many years as well. But in the last five years or so, I've worked exclusively with boutique consulting firms, uh, helping them build really engaged, effective and efficient teams. Thanks, Rob. Great, thanks. And for those of you that don't know me, I'm Rob Garner. I'm a founder and partner, actually, of Garwood Solutions, and we position ourselves as being uh, the advisor's advisor. I'm also uh, a med and advisor to a series of other professional service scale-up businesses. I've been in the consulting industry for 30 years, 20 years in leadership positions, uh, former Big Four partner, founded, grown and exited my own business and more latterly ran a listed software and services business in the education sector. Actually, in all of those roles and others along the way, I've always had a view and a strong view around making sure that we optimised our operations and that we optimised them to deliver value for our clients and to drive growth in our business. And hopefully today we'll provide a little bit of insight into some of that experience at least. But where I really wanted to start was kind of setting the context. The last 18 months, many people, me included, have described as being kind of unprecedented. And 18 months ago, Garwood Solutions presented this model as our kind of take on what we thought might happen over the, you know, we didn't know how long it was going to be at the time, and we put three years here. We thought that actually most consulting organizations would probably go through three basic phases. They'd go through a kind of survival phase. They'd go through a stabilization phase, and then hopefully they would come out the other end and succeed. And we thought there were kind of five themes that would need addressing or five factors that would need addressing if organizations were going to make that journey from survival to success. And they were around strategy, value proposition, leadership, talent, operations, and finance, as you've got them there. Over the top of that, we postulated what we thought might happen to revenue. And uh, the little curvy, wavy line was our view that said, well, actually, it's going to decline you know, she, steeply in 2020. There'll be some return in 21, but we thought maybe out to 22 was where we would see strong growth. You know, we felt that that timescale was sensible. We kind of got that this wasn't a recession like any other recession. In fact, it wasn't a recession. You know, it was an enforced break on our industry, on our sector, on the economy. But what we hadn't got was any underlying sector failure that was creating the disruption and the disturbance in the market and the kind of recessionary impact. And therefore, we thought that recovery might be a bit quicker than we'd seen in, say, 2008 or 2010. But actually, nevertheless, this was the sort of framework that we outlined at the time. 
And we back that up, you know, not just with a pretty picture, but with a, a little bit of analysis that said, look, these are the things we think you need to be doing in each of those phases and by you know, each of those themes. And really what we tried to do was define uh, almost every intercept, actually, the two or three things that we thought that people kind of needed to address. In a way, this webinar, 18 months on from when we first presented this, is kind of set in that succeed column. You know, it's very much about you know, your medium-term plan. It's about you know, executing on your new value propositions. It's about realigning and recruiting for success. It's about actually refining your embedded operations. And actually, in some instances, it's about exploring new investment. As I said at the outset, I actually I chair two scale-up organizations and I sit on the board of two others. And those kind of activities really kind of resonate with what we're doing in those businesses at this point in time. And I can think of at least two of the businesses out of the four that are doing at least some, if not all, of those things at this point in time. However, you know, 18 months of experience has kind of well caused us to reflect on actually how true and how accurate our model was. And I think one of the things that we've kind of determined is that actually the decline was actually steeper and quicker than we thought it was going to be back in the spring of 2020. I mean, if you read the, actually, I have to say, the excellent kind of research material that Source Global put out, their view was that there was a 13% year-on-year decline, 1920, in the consulting sector in the UK. Actually, if you looked at in-year decline, their view was that at points in the year, actually, that was nearer 2021%. And of course, there are big sectoral differences in that. And their view was that actually that was around the differences between essential and discretionary services. So having said that, actually, the decline was deeper and quicker than perhaps I perceived it was going to be you know, 18 months ago. I think what we've also learned is that actually the recovery has been faster and steeper than we thought it was going to be as well, certainly than I thought it was going to be. Again, you know, quoting the kind of source global research, I mean, their view is, that 20 to 21, we'll see something like a 11% increase in consulting revenues in the UK. And their view is that that will carry forward into 2022, but maybe at a slightly decreased rate. But nevertheless, that is very strong growth on historical norms for our sector. Of course, again, there are differences by sector. Services and retail growing at maybe 14 or 15%. Public sector actually only recovering at maybe 6%. So public sector still sitting probably at below kind of pre-pandemic revenues, services, retail and some other sectors getting themselves back to pre-pandemic revenue levels. But that's not the whole story, because I think you know, one of the things that this model didn't foresee uh, and really kind of think about, I think, at the time was the fact that actually the last 18 months was going to have a profound effect on changing the expectations of our client staff and partners about the way we would work and the way as an industry we will take ourselves forward. And you know, there's there's some great pieces out there at the moment, but you know, the positive side of this is the pace, speed, and agility with which consulting organizations you know delivered service propositions, value propositions for their clients, you know, in a purely remote way. 
That said, whilst that was the upside, I think, and you know, has been uh, recognised and and commented on by many consulting buyers. Actually, everybody saw that there was a negative around team working and actually having difficult conversations when you're doing so through a digital medium. Actually, one nice quote, though, that I, I picked up was that someone commented that the nice thing about lockdown from their point of view about engaging with consultants was it removed all of the fluff. And we'll come back to that because I actually think that's a great little phrase. And I do think it's something that we as a sector need to reflect on a little bit more. So in responding to that changing circumstances, and in particular, those changing expectations, we've set this webinar series up to look at operations, talent and marketing. And as we've already said, you know, I'll be looking at operations later in this webinar. Nick and Derry will respectively pick up marketing and talent other way around, actually, Derry Talent first, Nick Marketing second, into next week. But really, through these three webinars, what we want to explore is how actually we potentially retain some of the positive developments within the consulting sector over the last 18 months, but also we're able, through a more hybrid working model, to address some of those negative aspects around perhaps team dynamics, team-based activity, and also the difficult conversations where actually sometimes only face-to-face -face will do. So I'm going to kick this off now by talking about hybrid operations, but in the first instance, talk about the fundamentals of consultancy growth, because we are in a growth phase at the moment. It's a matter of sector as to the pace of that growth, but we are in a growth phase. And actually what I want to do and what the guys will subsequently do is really look at this kind of hybrid operations, talent and marketing in the context of being in a growth market. What I really want to look at, therefore, are the kind of the fundamentals of growth. Uh, apologies, this is another kind of Garwood model. For those of you that keen eye, you'll see that, that part of this is really a derivative of the operating model canvas, a kind of OMC view of life. And actually, part of this is actually Garwood's own view around value proposition and how value propositions are built. In terms of reading the model, actually, you read it from right to left, not left to right. Actually, this model is driven from the beneficiary back through the value proposition and into the operating model. For us, as we've already, as the slide says, you know, we see that a value proposition is a combination of a number of factors. It isn't simply a product or service definition. It's something that has a much broader uh, appeal and wrap around it. And that value proposition has to take into account the commercial model, your sectoral differentiators, the market and sector that you're operating in. Driving back from the value proposition, we have the operating model. As I've said already, uh, said a moment ago, based around the operating model canvas philosophy, slightly modified by us and slightly modified specifically for the kind of consulting sector. But we, alongside the core kind of OMC philosophy, support the fact that there are kind of, in essence, six facets to your operating model. You've got something about an underpinning set of management systems. You've got your core driving business processes, but you've got your structures and talent, your data and systems, location methods, partners and services. I'm not going to explain any more about either of these components. But what I do want to talk about is kind of what are the fundamentals of growth, in my opinion, because 
they're all here. So I think the first thing to start with is the first fundamental for me is about actually having the right value proposition. There are webinar upon webinar, and actually Garwood has done a webinar series about value propositions in their own right. And one of my colleagues, Rob Bruce, will talk eloquently and long about value propositions and their construct and creation. For me, value propositions in the context of growth are about having clarity, focus, and a vision in terms of what that business is there to achieve or what you are seeking to deliver in value terms to your client. The second one that I think is fundamental to growth is talent. We aren't, and Derry, I'm going to tread on your toes very slightly here and very quickly, but you'll talk again more eloquently and at length about this next week. But the fundamentals of talent are huge as far as I'm concerned. And yeah, we aren't a you know, widgets industry. You know, we actually sell the talent of the people that we recruit. So unless we have the right acquisition and retention mechanisms for that talent, how can we ever hope to take even the best value proposition to market? Early on in my career, I set up Avail Consulting some 15, 16 years ago now. And we put talent at the heart of that business. We set out a value proposition model that was a very simple, actually four by four matrix. We had four core services and we had four markets. And the intersect of each of those markets and services gave us effectively a mini strategy, a product service market intersect strategy. And we based our value propositions around effectively creating 16 mini value propositions to take to our clients. Actually, to our clients was the talent that we recruited into our business. Actually, myself and my founding partner defined those value propositions very early on in the life cycle of that business. And actually, quite easily, if I'm honest, the challenge and the, the more complex element was recruiting the high quality talent that we actually ultimately did that was able to take those value propositions to market. The last element that I think is key to growth are your core business processes, um, systems in the widest possible sense. But actually, if you haven't thought through and codified your approach to sales management, deployment, resource deployment, delivery, straightforward delivery, but also delivery quality assurance, then actually, I think you're going to run into problems as you grow. You're not going to have a repeatable experience for your clients, despite what you may have done with your value propositions. Your talent isn't going to be optimally deployed and directed. And actually, you're going to have a suboptimal level of growth at that point. So I think the three fundamentals of growth are focus, value proposition, talent, and process or systems. And I think if you can deliver those three things, you will deliver growth. I've been talking for 10 or 15 minutes now. I'm going to pause, and I think we should just open it up perhaps to, a, in the first instance, less of Q&A, and actually just for me to ask Nick and then perhaps Derry for their kind of immediate reflections and their thoughts around what they've seen over the last 18 months, but also what they see also as the fundamentals of growth. 
Sure. Thank you, Rob. So I, I think to your point, Rob, it's, it's interesting seeing that model a year after we, we looked at it last time and the fact we're into that further stage. I think the last 18 months have been really interesting. If I look at what we do, particularly in that growth, that, that marketing space, because I think that sharp decline is where a lot of firms sort of realize suddenly the world has shifted. And I think a lot of what I'd, I'd call marketing, but could equally be business development approaches, suddenly suddenly did not work. And I think a lot of that was driven where in our industry, it is BD over marketing led to the to a large part. Suddenly a lot of BD didn't work. So I, I heard a lot of partners say, gosh, I can't do what I normally do, which is walk the halls in my clients. And I think the interesting thing as we come out of this, I think is twofold is one, the firms who have invested, at least when I look at our client base, in that marketing presence have been the ones where that dip probably wasn't as big. And equally, they're coming out of it faster because they've got that foundation. I think the other side of this is actually those firms who maybe haven't and those partners who are kind of holding back, hoping they'd go back into client site, as we're seeing in our industry, but from our clients' clients, they're not going back to the office. So while we are back in a sort of normal world, you know, you can go to the shops, you can go to the restaurant. Actually, clients aren't going back to the office either at all or as frequently, which actually means the same problem of if you're on a client site Tuesday and the client's in Thursday, you, you've got that sliding doors and you miss them. And so that's where we're seeing things like this are still still really helping clients and still attracting the audience, the attention, getting them to, I think to your point, and maybe we'll come onto it later today or in, in my session, around that cutting through the noise and the fluff. I think, you know, 2021, I think the question I got the most of was, well, isn't everyone doing this? And the answer is yes. And just like anything else, the the solution is quality. And so we'll come on to that point around fluff because I really liked it. But that's sort of what I've seen is sharp change. Many, some have reacted. Those that haven't are probably still growing, but have done it at a much slower rate and are now finding that next phase much harder because the old tactics they'd hope to go back to haven't come back online, as it were. Yeah, no. Jerry, how about you? Uh, yeah, so so many thoughts on this. I'll try and keep it structured. I mean, firstly, that the the red line on your chart, Rob, like is, is hugely reflective of the majority of my clients. If anything, steeper on the current growth trajectory. Um, I'm seeing loads and loads of clients who are hitting two x monthly revenues of where they were pre pre crisis. So they just come out absolutely flying. I think that the reason for that is the connection between the talent growth driver and the value proposition growth driver. And what a lot of those firms did, partly because they're small firms, they're owner-operated, and they have a long-term mindset around it, is they man- they managed to keep hold of people. Whereas a lot of the bigger firms, big four firms, and like, any of the kind of big partner-led firms were letting people go because they were worried about maintaining partner bonuses and a, a short-term mindset. And now those firms can't hire people. And we're, as I'm going to talk about on Monday, we are in an unprecedented level of demand for people in the in the professional services industry. For the first time, we've tipped over 100,000 vacancies in the UK. And it, there's an absolute war for talent on. And the, the firms that kept hold of people, invested in them, and were in the right position to kick on are now doing incredibly well. And those are also the firms where they were able to nimbly shift to hybrid marketing techniques and hybrid BD techniques 
I know they're also the firms where their core business processes, particularly around talent and recruitment, can just operate way faster. There's a lady I know who took a job at Deloitte recently, and it took them 10 weeks from offer to get through the onboarding process before she could start. Any of my clients who are taking more than three days to get back on a final round interview at the moment are losing talent. So it's, yeah, the the speed of the talent processes, the holding on to talent and the connection of that to client delivery is just enabling the firms that did well on that to really go crazy in their growth at the moment. I couldn't agree more. I'm, you know, from you know, my position both in Garwood as an advisor, but also you know, actually as a chair and Ned on a, on a series of businesses. You know, we're seeing what you both describe, I think, writ large. I mean, I think we'll have a really interesting conversation, I think, on Monday specifically about talent. But you know, what I'm seeing is, is the usual expression about the war on talent and things like that. It's actually being fought in a slightly different way to the way I've seen it fought in the past. Uh, and you know, I think actually uh, there's a certainly in people thinking about entering consulting or in the earlier stages of their consulting career, there's a different set of dynamics that are important to them. And, and that's that's changing my experience as well, which is, you know, I think we'll have a great conversation and a bit more around that. We've had a couple of questions, and I think it might be useful. What One you know, kind of came into me, which is about, you know, what are the core business processes that have been impacted most by this kind of hybrid world? And I think that's a really interesting one. And I think, ironically, I think we've probably been talking about two of them already, which is, you know, your client interaction process, whether that's a delivery process or a sales and marketing process, and actually your talent management process. You know, these are the two things that historically would have been very much a face-to-face process, have been impacted, in my opinion, both positively and negatively. But on balance, probably a lot of people are seeing more of the positive than the negative in terms of what people have had to do in the way they've innovated. And I'll talk a bit more about the sort of sales side of it in a moment, but but I definitely see those as being key. In terms of perhaps some of your back office operations, yes, there has been some impact, but I actually think that's less an impact on the pandemic and ironically more an impact of the pace of growth that we now have as we come out of it is putting pressure on some of your you know, your, your more traditionally back office processes. So for argument's sake, you know, your accounting and reporting processes and things like that. So, but, um, you know, guys, I'm just conscious of time and just keeping a little bit of a watch out and know that we've got quite a lot more to get through. I'm just wondering whether we have time for one or two other questions. And I'm just scanning down to see whether any of them are suitable for yourselves as opposed to myself, actually. I think, Rob, just while you do do that and sort of go through the questions we've had, I think, Derry, just to echo your point, because obviously I talked about marketing and sales as a, as a growth element, and I know we'll, we'll touch on this more in, in your webinar on Monday, but I think the other thing we're seeing is candidates, because there's no the office is no longer there, they turn to the particularly digital sort of channels to see, to see and learn about a firm. And, and we've heard anecdotally from our clients They've got candidates saying, well, we, I chose to interview for you because I checked out your LinkedIn. I liked what you were doing. I liked you know, the message, the content. And I think that's a, another really big sign. We'll come on tomorrow in your session. I'd be interested to see what you're seeing of actually navigating that world where you can't use the office as your status symbol anymore and actually how you do that through, through your marketing. But that was just a build on, on what you were highlighting. Rob, I don't know if that's giving yeah, you time no, to... 
that's given me sufficient time. So we've had a question come in, which is about, you know, do we believe that the hybrid world will continue and for how long? Why don't I kind of kick off and you two gents might follow up? And I think this will get echoed later in this webinar and in your webinars kind of next week. But my view is that the hybrid world is here to stay. There are sufficient positives, in particular for clients and consultants out of hybrid working, that actually it, it is here to stay. Whether the balance is currently right and we have a bit of a kind of pendulum that's swinging and we'll find a new norm, I don't like that expression, but we'll find a new balance. Yeah, I think we will. And maybe it isn't where we are at the moment. But the idea that you know we return to something that looked like pre-pandemic from an operating perspective, I don't see it happening. I see this as a permanent shift. It's where's the balance in that shift and, and, and how is that arrived at? I yeah, Rob, if I, if I could dive in on that one, I yeah, think um, I mean, one of the characteristics of the current moment in time, I think, is there is still significant uncertainty over that, particularly in the in the short term. What I do, what we are seeing from firms and from candidates, actually, is a reduced interest in working on client site that seems somewhat permanent. And yeah. some firms in particular stipulating in their contracts with clients that they are working remotely from a client perspective. So that the, the the lowest level of interest is in working on client site. It then becomes a question of what's the home office balance. I don't see many firms staying on a fully remote model. Even the ones who've given up their offices are uh, generally working with co-working spaces and opportunities for people to come together. And in general, teams don't seem to want that either. And um, particularly new recruits, there's a sense that the apprenticeship model requires a level of face-to-face interaction of at least two to three days a week. There are some firms out there, probably a minority at the moment, who think strategically getting back full-time in the office and working together to solve client problems is going to be a strategic advantage, but it's kind of one in 10 at the moment that are, that are expressing that view. So I, I think the hybrid world is here to stay over the, over the longer time period. And the the tools we've got will only get more effective for creative consulting problem solving in that in that environment. Agreed. No, absolutely. And certainly from the range of businesses that I you know see in touch, we're absolutely seeing some return to the office on, on actually perhaps not two to three days a week, if I'm honest, uh, probably slightly less than that, but coming together for specific reasons. And they are, as you just sort of really touched on, I suppose, Jerry, they are the sort of problem-solving type reasons. You know, they are the, the, the things that actually mirror as a virtual whiteboard isn't quite the same as standing around a whiteboard and, and actually having a, a personal interaction with your colleagues as you're, you know, working through that problem. And I am certainly seeing that. I'm seeing a return to some of the more social aspects of why people come to an office. I'm seeing very little of returning to client offices. I fully endorse and support what you said there. And I'm seeing very little of a sort of uh, presenteeism in turning up to work to sit at your laptop and not interact with other people. You know, if all you need to do is talk to your laptop, you know, well, you can do that anywhere kind of thing. Why, why are you coming to an office to do it necessarily? Anyway, look, this has been a good digression. We should get back probably to the thrust of this webinar and we'll pick up these threads later in this and also on Monday and next Thursday. So I'm going to move us forward and start to talk about core process in a bit more detail. So I strongly believe, and, and my kind of colleagues in Darwood strongly believe, that there are actually only five or six key business processes 
actually not just in a consultancy, but in any professional service firm that you need to focus on and get right to be successful and to have a successful operating model to go along with that talent, to go along with those value propositions. In the kind of adage of, of kind of borrowing with pride, some of you may be familiar with this, but this is the Kimball tube map. It, it's a bit more of a product map, but actually what it does is highlight really well the underlying core business processes within any professional service business. And this depicts nine processes or nine facets of Kimball. However, the five or six, I think, stand out quite strongly. So starting from the left, I mean, managed propositions or prospecting, you know, a key process and something that I think you know, Nick will fit strongly in what you'll be saying this time next week. Lead to order, sales management. I'm going to talk a bit more about that in a moment. Scope to delivery, delivery management, and the solution around that. Resource management and the supplier resource. Oh, you know, Derek, this is going to be back to your territory next week as well. And then ultimately, kind of the close period piece, and in particular, kind of business operations. I'm actually not going to talk about all of this. Parts of this, Nick and Derry will talk about. But actually, I want to focus on three processes that I think are fundamental to success and I think fundamental to growth in a kind of hybrid world, and thinking about them in a hybrid fashion is important. So I'm going to talk about sales management, I'm going to talk about resource management, and I'll talk about business operations. So sales management, we've already said, I said some time ago in this webinar, that there is a changing client expectation. We're going to pick up on that phraseology about the consulting because actually what has been evident to me and I think quite well documented is what someone described as the hand-waving and glad-handing approach to consulting sales has gone away. So Nick was slightly politer than me in terms of saying the walking the corridors. And, you know, and I've walked the corridors myself in the past, so I can't knock it too much. But actually, what we have seen through a virtual and remote world is the ability for businesses to sell in that traditional way has actually been broken. And I think I would agree strongly with Nick that actually I don't see a great deal of appetite, particularly from our clients, to return to it. What has happened, though, and what clients seem to warm to and want to retain in that sales management process is the kind of speed, pace, agility that organizations have offered, demonstrated in terms of the way that they have built solutions and propositions for clients, not only in the delivery, but actually in the sense of responding to clients' problems, you know, rapidly and definitively and, you know, in a way that has had what someone described, you know, kind of more focus than perhaps has been evident in the past. We think about sales management in a hybrid sense. And if we think about sales management, particularly as we've seen it through the kind of lens of the, of the remote and virtual, and actually it's potentially it's easier to access new clients. You know, actually we're not traveling, location is no longer as relevant as it was. 
And, you know, people are, in my experience, quite willing to give you 30 minutes on a Zoom in the way that they might not invite you in for an hour in their office for some time. And I think, therefore, it actually has become easier within a, a virtual and a remote, but, but ultimately leading into a hybrid sense, to access new clients. What we need to recognize in that, though, is in that access, and as we move into a hybrid world where actually face-to-face -face does become part of it, we need to retain that speed and agility and focus that we've demonstrated virtually as we move back into a hybrid with some face-to-face. -face. We all recognize the value of team working, and we recognize the value of sort of face-to-face. Those aspects, though, need to now have, in my opinion, kind of greater delineation. We're going to value the face-to-face -face time more than we did previously. So we now need to think in a sales management process, actually, where is it important or where would not only I as the consultancy, but my client gain better value by us having a face-to-face -face conversation rather than a virtual and remote one. And therefore, I think interventions, the planning of them and the execution of them in a sales management strategy become ever more important than they were historically. And they become more important in getting that balance right in a hybrid sense. I think also post-pandemic, there's, again, a wealth of information out there saying that you know, a lot of consultancy buyers are now scrutinizing their spend much more closely. And actually, many of them are now looking for something that's more of a service proposition than perhaps consultancy has offered them in the past. And the phrase kind of managed service consultancy has kind of popped up. I wasn't quite sure what it meant when I first heard it. I think it means actually a better blend of the use of technology, data, and expertise for an outcome, as opposed to what we have been traditionally used to in consulting, which is a manpower-based model, which is heavily dependent on the expertise, but doesn't necessarily draw very much on perhaps some of the technology side or some of the data side. So... Talk a little bit about kind of perhaps how you might think about your engagement definition, actually how you might go about developing a proposal in a slightly different way in a hybrid world. How you forecast revenue and costs and how you put your commercials together, I think also changed. I mean, it, it's not just a U times R, a D times R anymore. And actually, honestly, it hasn't been for a while and nor should it be. Actually, it needs to be much more nuanced than that. And I think some of the variables around which we build our revenue and cost forecasts, our costs first, have also changed. So you know, we now don't have to take into account quite the same dynamic that we did around location or around time slots. And I'll come on to that in a moment because I'm going to talk about resource management in a moment. But actually, the flexibility of resource deployment has changed in a way that should now be being reflected into a little bit more of our kind of commercial proposition. I'm going to pause there on sales management. 
and actually use that as a sort of segue to talk actually about resource management. Derek's going to talk about the kind of acquisition and engagement of resources and has already done so on this call. I want to really reflect on kind of deployment. Uh, and it's actually echoing something that, that Nick said a moment or two ago. You know, consulting industry of old was always what I would describe as being peripatetic. You, you, know, you had a variety of, of opportunities, clients and engagements. You worked a mix between an office base and a client base. I never actually had, I think in any of the companies I'd run, more office space than for about 40% of my staff, because I've always assumed that at least 60% of my staff on any one day are probably going to be with clients. And, and of course, you would want them in those days to be with clients. I think as we come out of the pandemic and into this hybrid era, actually, I'm not sure our consultants want our clients back, as both Derry and Nick have, have reflected. You know, actually, many of our clients haven't necessarily returned to the office themselves. But equally, I'm not sure our consultants want to go back to the client either. So we now have a situation where actually we have a, a, a different dynamic in terms of our resource deployment. We have some aspects of this which are positive and actually will help. So the location independence aspect means that in theory, we ought to have a bigger resource pool available to us for any particular resource deployment, for any particular engagement. It also ought to be easier to optimize utilization. I think you know, we have lost some of the sort of marginal inefficiency of deployment around sort of multiple clients, multiple projects. You know, most of us, I think, have probably worked two models of consulting, a five-day-a-week deployment to a client on a site or whatever. But most of us will have also worked a multiple project, multiple deployment, and know the marginal inefficiencies of trying to balance those projects and be on many client sites potentially in, in a week, if, if not less time than that. So it was always challenging in a pre-pandemic world that you know, if you sold a consultant for three days a week to a client, it was often quite difficult to sell the other two days and someone ended up sort of paying for that in a way. And often it was the consultant and actually their time was the thing that kind of ended up paying for it. Now it ought to be much easier and, and much more flexible and to a certain extent straightforward. Having said all of that about the positives of the virtual side of resource deployment and working, of course, we've already reflected on the negatives. And you know, engagements also work and client projects work because there's some concept of shared endeavor. And whilst you can develop shared endeavor you know, in a remote and virtual sense, actually the true value, I think, of building that shared endeavor comes through the kind of face-to-face. And you need to build that at the outset of an engagement. So your project activation, your project inception activities are really key, I think, in kind of building relationships, building mutual understanding, and kind of building that desire for a shared endeavor. You know, it's out of those experiences that consultants and clients kind of go the extra mile for each other. So resource management, resource deployment. 
some real kind of challenges for us in a hybrid world about how we balance it. But actually, the opportunity from a consulting management point of view of, of actually running a more efficient and more effective operation, but needing to temper that by what's good for both the consultant and the client in terms of the aspects around relationship development. I'm going to move on to talk about the last aspect of, of kind of operations that I wanted to talk about, and that is the core back office business operation. As I've already said, you, you could argue that this isn't necessarily a feature of the pandemic. This is much more a feature of, of kind of the rapid growth that we're seeing as we recover from the pandemic. I always draw an analogy about the metronome and needing to set the metronome for the business for the circumstances that the business finds itself in at that point in time. And actually what we're needing to do at the moment, I believe, is kind of reset the beat rate of the business. You do need to decide you know, what you're going to manage weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually. You need to decide you know, what that beat in the business is going to be. And you know, this will have changed last year as you know, so many businesses were contracting in the early stages of the pandemic. And we were, you know, for some organisations, in a sense of freefall. You know, it will change again now as we're into rapid growth. So if I think back to 12, 18 months ago, I was on a weekly board call on most of the businesses that I sit on the board of where cash was a feature of that weekly board call. Most boards now I sit on are talking about cash on a monthly cycle, not on a weekly cycle. However, you know, a year ago, we weren't talking about movement in our sales pipeline on a weekly basis because our sales pipelines weren't growing and moving that fast. Now, we are talking about them on a weekly basis. So actually what comes out of that is the need to tailor not only your, your purpose, go to that weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually, but actually then define the information that you require. So I always think about this as being, you know, on a weekly basis, it's about what do I need to manage on an intra-month basis? So what performance can I affect in October for October? What I then think about on a monthly basis is my inter-month performance. What can I do in October that will affect November and December? And then quarterly and annually, it's a slightly different perspective. What I'm thinking about there quarterly is probably about my objectives and my short-term plans, probably my recruitment plan. And annually, it's much more about the strategy and the investment required. Having set that beat rate and adjusted your weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual kind of objectives and set the purpose of what you want to manage on that basis, of course, you then need to define the MI and agree the forums the decision-making uh, forums for that. You know, what data and who is present will be different you know, in a business that's contracting to in a business that's growing. You know, many organisations often fail to reflect the circumstances, changing circumstances, kind of in their modus operandi. Astute organisations do recognise this, and actually what they create is the circumstance of which they are growing into not growing out of. I'm going to stop at that point and actually open it back up to kind of Q&A and bring my kind of colleagues back into this conversation. I'm just quickly looking at the questions. 
James, so there's a question here, uh, and actually, Gary, I'm going to pose this to you because, you know, given your background with Honeycomb and where Honeycomb sits in the market as well, there's a question here about how can I measure the effect, effectiveness of our processes now? How can you measure the effectiveness of the processes? Yeah. Is there a mechanism for measuring maturity or how, how do I know whether my processes are fit for purpose? Sure. So the way I tend to think about this is, is processes are fundamentally about making decisions yep. and getting the right information in the hands of the people that need to make decisions when they need it. And uh, you can measure decisions on a number of different dimensions. Like how good was the decision with hindsight? How fast did you take the decision? How much effort did it take to, to make the decision? And how many people were involved? And I think one of the things that is, well, I was, like the page about business operations and MI, like one of the things that I think a lot of firms are in danger of falling into a trap of is that weekly cadence they had to use to make a number of decisions on a survival basis. If they don't actively stop that and shift to the right set of decisions for now, yep. they're going to be wasting an awful lot of time. And uh, one of the risks around hybrid working models more broadly is it's so easy to get people onto a Zoom call. Absolutely. You get too many people on too many Zoom calls and burnout becomes a real problem. Yeah. So the way I would think about measuring effectiveness of processes is, are we making the right decisions? Are we making them well? Are we making them quickly? Are we making them with minimal effort? And are we able to implement them? And you can measure those things on a regular basis through surveys, et cetera. Excellent. Well, the only thing I would add to it is that we would typically deploy a, a FBI framework, which is a maturity model for operating processes within professional services. Uh, and actually, it's quite descriptive in terms of giving you a, a framework that you can quite quickly see where you might be on a maturity scale using the dimensions that Derry described, but where you might be on a maturity scale and, and actually where you might want to get to. And the answer is you don't always necessarily want to be best in class. What you want to be is fit for purpose for the circumstances you find yourself in. And your ability to flip that, I couldn't agree more with Gary, is that you know, all of the organisations I sit on the board of, we have changed our cadence of what we're doing based around the circumstances we find ourselves in, and whether that's faster or slower. And I often comment on my own company, you know, when I was running Avail, you know, we did things on a on a basic cadence of a month. We did them on a weekly cadence when actually things were going incredibly well or things were going very badly you know and actually you need to react and respond and what we did on a weekly basis whether it was going well or, or not so well actually changed and they were different things but you change the cadence and you change the beat rate i'm just conscious of time so we've got three or four minutes left i think we've probably got time for one more question so i mean there's a question here nick which is probably a, a lead into your your webinar next week but let me ask it now which is about marketing and sales management and the fact that I mentioned that that actually in our certainly in a virtual world it, it's been kind of easier to reach more clients. I'm interested in kind of your experience and and you know your clients' experience with that because that's certainly been my experience. Yeah, so I think it's a really good question. I think your point really resonates with me as well, Rob, because we've seen it. You know, if I think, we, you know, for instance, we got one client; they're a London-based consultancy. They started working with a Japanese company. And they would say themselves in a sort of non-hybrid world, that never would have happened because the opportunity wouldn't have come up. The logistics and the sheer, not just the financial cost, but the team impact of 
it's one thing working in time zones that are different. It's another flying halfway across the world for a boutique consulting firm. I think definitely, and I think that's where in a, you know, a lot of what we'll talk about next Thursday comes in because there has been that fundamental shift of doing sessions, frankly, sessions like this, webinars that will help you draw those people to you. I think in the old world, it was much more targeted of, we know we want to work with client X, so we're going to invite them to a breakfast or we're going to go where they'll go. Whereas in today's world, you've got that opportunity to attract, say, that Japanese firm. I mean, I think of another client of ours, they're actually an Indian IT firm with operations in America and in the UK, but their core is India. They wanted to grow in America and, and the UK. And now prior to sort of this hybrid period, they would have had to spend tens, hundreds of thousands on conferences, on flights to get to these places before they've even met with their prospective clients. Whereas we're helping them to reach just as many people through webinars like this. So obviously, I'm kind of deliberately holding back a lot of the how you make that work and the how to make it effective. But I think to that point and to that question, we're seeing it a lot for our clients. And I think it really opens up where you go with hybrid marketing because it's no longer your black book or the square mile you really can reach clients anywhere in you know in the world and jerry i think we've probably got time to put one last question to you very quickly um just noting we are just about on time but in kind of talent and resourcing you know how do you assess kind of cultural fit when perhaps you're in a in a virtual world so i i think Key thing is you you need to interview people in the way that they're going to be working with you and with your clients. So if if you're going to be working mostly over Zoom or Teams or whatever tool it is, then make sure that that's a heavy part of your interview process so that you understand how somebody interacts, how they present themselves on that in that way. I think two other things I'd just throw in quickly. One is make use of personality profiling and understand the personality like profiles of your team and what you need people to do and just push really hard on things like initiative and drive and resilience in your interview process because you need people to be working way more independently than they used to have to work and that that cultural fit with the team is less about are they going to get on socially and go and have a beer together like it like it was when I started in consulting and it's more about are they going to be able to produce when they're working from home a lot more on that on perfect and i think that's a great lead in so i'm going to now draw this to a close just remind people that you know Derry's session is on monday at 4 30 nick's session is next thursday at 4 30 you know links to access both of those are available on i think all three of our kind of linkedin feeds so please do access them and please do join us for those it now just remains for me to say kind of thank you very much for joining us this afternoon we have recorded this session and it will be available and we will be sending it out in the next few days. Do remember that the kind of fundamentals of consultancy growth are quite simple. You know, they are focus, they are talent, they are process, but actually their good execution is a little bit more complex. So we've touched on some of the things you need to think about in terms of operations in this session. We'll touch on the talent and we'll touch on the market aspects in the two following sessions. But actually that draws us to a close. Can I just remain to say thank you very much to everybody for joining us this afternoon and have a good afternoon and evening. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Derry. Thanks, everyone who joined us. Thanks, everyone. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Climbing Consulting. 
If you have any guest recommendations, comments, ideas, thoughts on how I can make this show better for you, just drop me an email. It's nick at createengage.co.uk and I really look forward to hearing from you.